Bill Colton, if you've not read his book, go to the bookstore and get his book. He was on, uh, he had an emergency appendectomy, died on the surgeon's table and was in heaven for several hours. He was just uh, three or four at the time. His parents are pastors, at least they were in Nebraska, and uh, he came back with quite, quite the uh, story, the account of heaven. And one of the things Jesus said to tell he, to, he told Colton to tell his daddy, and that was, you tell him, your daddy the pastor, Jesus really loves the children. He really does. Amen? If he does, we all should. Amen? The Bible says if you don't come into the kingdom like a little child, you can't come. So keep that in mind. Amen? Well, can we get in the Word a little bit? Is that all right? This is a big part of it. Let's turn in our Bibles over to the Christmas account, the Christmas story in Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So just as you're finding Luke chapter 2, a, a, a reminder that because the Cody's will be traveling for a few days and we're giving people time with their families, there will be no Sunday morning service I will be posting a video exhortation and message that the Lord is uh, no doubt going to give me that you could watch as you're traveling or that day. And uh, I would just make mention, ask you, obviously we won't be passing the offering bucket, but the bills will keep coming. Amen. And we just appreciate you um, getting your tithe and your offering in for the week. Amen. Amen. Praise God. All right. Well, Father, we thank you so much. All that we've enjoyed, the expression of your gifts that you've put in people. Father, we've come now to this moment of the Word of God, and I ask you to give me utterance in the Holy Ghost. Father, help me to speak forth the Word of God as it ought to be spoken in accuracy, simplicity, seasoned with love, boldness, full of light and truth. And Father, for those here receiving the Word right now, I thank you that their hearts are wide open, their minds are not somewhere else. They are ready to take in to receive the engrafted Word, which is literally able to save our souls. Father, we thank you for the ministry of your word and of your spirit in this moment. Let us all be blessed. May we all be helped in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Some of uh, what I'm going to teach and preach about the Christmas story today, I got and I learned as I studied uh, Brother Rick Renner's book called Christmas, The Rest of the Story. I am 51, so I'll be celebrating my 51st Christmas, and unfortunately, I wasn't serving God all that time, so it'll be my 22nd Christmas as the pastor of this church, and as I study the Word of God about the birth of Jesus and that that time frame, I still am learning, and I believe that you and I are going to learn some things about that uh, those first days, that first uh, day where Jesus came in that maybe you did not know, Amen. And uh, if you have an opportunity to get a hold of this book, I highly, highly recommend it. The, art, the artistry in this book is so amazing. And we gave it out last year uh, as Christmas gifts to all of our staff and, and department heads. And But you could get it on Amazon. You could get it a number of places. I don't think we have any in the bookstore right now. We do? Ooh. So we do have a few of these in the bookstore. I encourage you. Don't fight each other. Amen. But... Uh, <laughs> It, is, it would be a real blessing to you. Amen. So let's just begin reading. Follow along with me as I read in God's Word. Luke chapter 2 beginning in verse number 1. We're going to talk about the miracle of Christmas this morning. The miracle of Christmas. 
And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus uh, that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Serenus was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone to his own city. Now I'm going to begin picking this up from verse 4 in my Amplified Bible. So it might read a little bit different than yours. But I, want to, uh, I like the way it renders this text. And so in verse 4 it goes on and says, And Joseph, of course that's Mary's uh, betrothed, you know they were engaged together. Also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to, to uh, Judea, to the town of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and family of David. So you had to go to the city in which you were born to uh, take part and be counted in this required census. To be enrolled with Mary, his espoused married wife, who was about to become a mother. And while they were there, uh, it came, the time came for her delivery. And she gave birth to her son, her firstborn, and she wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no more room or place for them in the inn. And in that vicinity, there were shepherds living out under the open sky in the field, watching in shifts over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood by them and the glory of the Lord flashed and shone all about them and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will come to all people. For to you is born this day in the town of David, that's Bethlehem, a Savior, who is Christ the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign for you, which you will in which you will recognize Him. You will find after searching a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Then suddenly there appeared with the angel an army of the troops of heaven, a heavenly knighthood, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace among men with whom he is well pleased, men of goodwill of his favor. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing, saying, That has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste, and by searching found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. When they saw it, they made known what had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it were astounded and marveled at what the shepherds told them. But Mary was keeping within herself all these things, these sayings, weighing them and pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had seen, heard and seen, just as it had been told them. Hallelujah. So I want to talk to you this morning quickly about three miracles of Christmas. I want to talk, we'll talk first about the miracle with the shepherds. Then we'll talk about the miracle with the angels. And then finally, we'll talk about the miracle of the incarnation. Amen? That going to be all right with you? Yeah. Praise God. And again, I believe you'll be blessed, you'll be stirred, your faith will be stirred. And uh, uh, there's so much meaning. Uh, we never get to the depths of all that God has layered and hidden in uh, with, the, uh, with, these, with the Bible account. Amen. 
you know, when I was growing up, as you know, I, I didn't grow up in a particularly Christian home. Uh, but we were not at all um, antagonistic towards faith. Uh, you know, I think my mom was kind of a uh, just occupied with natural life. And I found out much later that my precious grandpa was, he, he was very antagonistic toward God. And he raised three girls um, that were not interested. And so that created a real handicap for my mom and my two aunts, her two sisters. And, uh, but the Christmas story um, was something that I was exposed to in my home. And I'm so thankful for that. But you know, it's amazing how many uh, in the songs we sing, in the books we read, the movies, uh, how tradition and some falsities kind of seep in. And when you're exposed to the truth of it, you go, huh, really? Praise God. So I want to talk about the miracle of the shepherds. God doesn't do anything by happenstance. You know, there is purpose in everything that he does. And you got to think and remember how monumental this moment was. Praise God. You know, uh, before there ever was an earth, before there ever was a universe, God foresaw the human family that he would make and the family's fall into sin. And so before any act of creation had ever begun, Jesus had already said, when we make them and when they fall, Father, I will pay the price. I will go and pay the price to win them back, to redeem the family, Father God, that you so desire. And so that's why the Bible calls Jesus the lamb slain, not from his birth, but from before the foundation of the world. Amen. And so when you want to talk about getting to this day on the human calendar, we're talking about millions of years of anticipation. You're talking about millennia of redemptive planning and orchestrating all the different prophetic events that would so that we could finally get to this place at the right time in the exact uh, he just, as you're going to see this morning, framed it in every detail, the perfection of God's plan so that there would be no excuse. Amen. There would be no mistaking. This one Amen. is the one. Yes. The one in whom it is safe to entrust your soul, your eternity, your heart. Amen. 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 Glory to God. So let's uh, review a little bit what happened with these shepherds. The first thing I want to say is these were not just any shepherds. All over the land of Israel in that day, there were shepherds. They're called Bedouin in Israel even today. They raise uh, livestock of all kinds, cattle, camels, uh, you know, sheep, of course, uh, goats, all of these things. So, but this particular group of shepherds, they, of course, were shepherding in the fields of Bethlehem. Bethlehem, it's sad, it's sad to me. Um, I've been in Bethlehem one time in 2006, and uh, under current circumstances, I don't wish to ever go back um, because it's under radical Muslim control. We had to get off our Hebrew bus and leave our Hebrew guide and then get on an Arab bus with an Arab person, tour guide, and I'm not against, you know what I mean, I'm just, it was just a different thing when they all had guns and they escorted you through the church and the nativity and the tourist shops and then you were promptly asked to get out of their territory. And so Bethlehem, the birthplace of Jesus, is under uh, Muslim control today. 
In fact, I just had a, a news update uh, that I listened to, and they basically canceled Christmas in Bethlehem. You know, there's a war going on uh, in Israel. And so anyway, but Bethlehem is only about seven miles from Jerusalem. And if you remember, Jerusalem is the headquarters of the temple in the days of Jesus. And so they had temple sacrifice. They had daily sacrifices that they were required to keep, you know. Uh, if they made a mistake, they had to, they sinned. They had to go to the temple. They had to make a sacrifice. And so there is daily worship, daily sacrifice going on at the temple in Jerusalem. And so uh, I found out reading Rick Renner's book that the historian Josephus tells us that annually about 260,000 sheep were sacrificed every year at the temple in Jerusalem. 260,500 was the number Josephus gave every year by the Jewish people as they honored the biblical command to make blood sacrifice, type and shadow for the atonement of their sins. That's a lot of sheep. Well, how do you accommodate? How do you meet that demand? Well, these particular shepherds were special shepherds. They were under the administrative rule and care and oversight of the rabbinical priests that actually facilitated temple worship. In other words, these rabbis that conducted all the sacrifices at the temple hired special shepherds to raise special sheep for the express purpose of sacrifice. You do realize that the whole point of Jesus being born is so that he would die. And so here, you're going to find out why uh, would God do this miracle with the shepherds. Because they would know something and be able to tell it. And that you and I thousands of years could read it and go, Whoa, wow, what a mighty God we serve. So these fields, even today, I understand, are called the, called the shepherd's fields. They're called the shepherd's fields. And there's even a tower there that there's still ruins today called the Migdal Eater Tower. And so again, these are special shepherds. So here's what they did. They actually, as we read in the text, you saw they actually lived with these sheep out in the open fields. And this is where it gets really interesting and, and really kind of amazing. So uh, all along the hillsides and the mountainsides and the special tower, one of the responsibilities of these special shepherds was to build and maintain ceremonially clean and approved birthing places for these sheep to be born. They could not be born in an unclean, ceremonially unclean way, or they would not be qualified for sacrifice. Amen. And so, you know, when we sing about, when you have your nativity scene up and you have a stable with hay and straw, that's not what this was. I've been in the church of nativity and the manger, the, the, the stable that Jesus went into, his family, Mary and Joseph, was a cave. And there were caves all throughout this area in Bethlehem. And they had carved out feeding troughs out of the stone. So Jesus, Mary did not place baby Jesus in a wooden cradle, right? Or a wooden feeding trough. It was a carved out place of stone where all the other lambs that were born were laid. All the other lambs that were born for sacrifice 
were born in one of these ceremonially clean and kept and maintained uh, birthing places. And when a, one of these shepherds oversaw when a new uh, lamb was born, they immediately took the lamb, the, the physical animal, and they laid it in the manger and waited for one of the priests to come whose job it was to inspect the lamb to make sure that it was without spot and without blemish. Because the law said that you could only sacrifice a lamb without spot and without blemish. So if it was born flawed, it was, it was born with a blemish, it was not used, it was separated out, it was not used for temple sacrifice. So the priest, I want you to picture this, this shepherd has a baby ewe, he lays it in the stone trough in a cave, amen. The priest comes along to pronounce it clean, amen. Once the priest approves of the baby lamb, you know what they did with that sheep? They took cloth bandages and they wrapped the newborn four legs of the sheep to protect those legs from all the wild kicking a baby you would do so that it wouldn't injure itself and become blemished. They called those bandages and cloths swaddling clothes or cloths. Now, come on, this is a miracle. When God orchestrated this whole thing, none of this is, is by accident. God has picked this out. He has orchestrated. He's got a message, amen, and he is going to prove that his son, amen. Oh, glory to God. And so it is not an unfortunate coincidence that when Mary, that Mary and Joseph are running late, that they're running late. And by the time they get there to the city of David, all of the rooms are taken in the village. It's no mistake. God orchestrated it so that they would have nowhere to go. And he, he pushed them by circumstance into a ceremonially designed and priestly kept and approved birthing place. One of these caves. And when Mary gave birth to Jesus, what did it say about him? They wrapped it. They had those bandages there. They wrapped Jesus in those same claws that all of the other lambs were wrapped in because they had to be spotless and without. And Jesus, of course, was without sin, without spot, without blemish. And he was so the message, the miracle of the shepherds so far, we see that he's trying to get it. He is the sheep. He is the lamb. The ones, all of this is just a picture of. This is the one. And he came in perfect way and harmony with Levitical sacrifice and how it, would, how it should be done. So this is why when you read the uh, Christmas story, you see that when this angel showed up, one of the things he said was, he said, now here's a sign for you, for you. In other words, in the Greek, it means this is a sign especially for you. In other words, only you shepherds, you'll get this in a way that nobody else will get this. And so that's why the angel showed up to these shepherds to let them know you've been doing your job, but you're really focused on the wrong sheep. 
And if you will go and search tonight, this night, the one, the lamb slain from the foundation of the world, the one prepared from before the earth was ever created has shown up and he is in your birthing stable tonight. Glory to God. Amen. I mean, I've been studying the Bible, you know, and I'll, I'll study the Bible probably into eternity, but I'm still learning. I didn't know all that. It was just very cool. Praise God. Amen. And so uh, God has done so many things, so many really unnecessary things, but he did them so that all the world could know and have great assurance that our faith is not a blind faith, that our Bible's not just another book. Our, our Bible is not, it's a wonder. And our God is a wonder worker. And these miracles that he worked took thousands of years. But then when the day came, he, he just, he worked it. He worked it so, so that Jesus came in the exact right miraculous way. Amen. Amen. Let me talk now about the miracle of the angels. The miracle of the angels. Let me advance here in my notes. Praise God. Find verse 8 again, if you're still open to Luke chapter 2. And let's read a small section again, be reminded, and now take special focus uh, of the activity of the angels in this story. Now, I looked up the word story because we say Christmas story a lot. And I thought, well, I was asking myself this weekend, is it good to say Christmas story a lot? Because when we hear the word story in modern times and terms, I don't wanna, we don't want to do anything to convey anything that is fictitious. That this is just... Uh, just a fable, just a, a religious tradition that maybe it's true, maybe it's not true. Uh, the, the actual word story means a recitation of a historical fact. That's what the word story means according to Noah Webster. It's a, rest, a recitation of a historical fact. So when I say let's read about the angels from the Christmas story, we're reciting a historical fact. Amen, as recorded by the physician, the disciple of Jesus, a man named Luke. So here we are in verse number 8, again in the Amplified. And it says, And in that vicinity there were shepherds, living out, open, uh, out under the open sky in the field, watching in shifts over the flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord. Now, notice this just to make sure we have biblical thinking. How many angels are here? It says, an angel. So there's one angel that shows up. Now, we were singing it, uh, singing it early, and it's fine. It's fine to sing it. Um, you know, it's, it's most, most, most likely that Jesus was not born in December. Don't crucify me for saying that, okay? If you really study, uh, you know, uh, cold winter's night, not real sure about that either. But praise God. Amen. But we know they were out there in a the field. Amen. And they weren't, uh, I, well, they were out under the open sky, you know. So it had to be, the conditions had to be right for that. Then this angel shows up. And uh, so let's read on. This, this one angel shows up and it says, stood by them. Let's just, let's just break out some tradition here while we're here. I love doing that. We, what is your view of how this happened? Way up there, we, have, we see this heavenly host. That's not how it happened, at least at first. 
It says here that the angel stood over them, stood by them. In the Greek, it literally means he could have been on the ground or he could have been hovering right above them. But he, they were more eye to, this angel was more eye to eye. And then it says, and the angel's glory shone round about them. That Greek word means it was like a shaft of blinding light, not just kind of an ambient glow. Amen. And it was likely so intense and powerful that they had to shield their eyes when he appeared and maybe even fell to the ground. Notice that with their reaction, it says they were amplified, says they were terribly afraid. Now that, that ought to remind you of something that Dad Jacobs talks about, right? Dr. Jacobs, my, uh, he speaks into my life. And he's, God's just granted him a lot of, the, well, he's just seen angels, just to be frank with you, quite a bit. And he just tells us, because he's seen him. he said, if you ever see an angel in their natural habitat, you're either going to need faith or huggies. <laughs> because they are intimidating. Well, it must be. These, these shepherds acted intimidated. Amen. And they were terribly frightened. But now notice again in verse 10, it says the angel. Everybody with me? The angel said to them, do not be afraid. In the Greek, it's really strong. It's like, stop being afraid. Okay, now I'm scared more, you know. <laughs> Amen. But it was really, really strong. And then what did the angel say? For behold, I bring you good news of great joy. I love that Rick Renner pointed this out. And I did my own independent study because I, I don't like to just take somebody's word for it. Amen. The word great is the word mega. It's the Greek word that the shepherds actually heard. He said, stop being afraid. Behold, I bring you good news of mega joy. Mega joy. Come on. Serving Jesus is not a depressing thing. Knowing Jesus is not a downer kind of thing. Rick Renner said in his book, he called it gargantuan joy. And I tell you what, Jesus showing up is gargantuan type news. Amen. You and I have hope because he came. He came. Glory to God. We have uh, the promise of eternity because he came. Amen. We ought to be happy. This angel, he was like, I, you are going to have joy if I have to put it on you. Mega joy. Praise God. Hallelujah. So, Great joy, mega joy, praise God, which will come to all people. For to you is born this day in the town of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. So he uses three, this angel, three very important terms. You and I, you probably know, but we all need to know. Our kids need to know. Amen? What did the angel say? You know, angels don't speak what they think. Angels don't speak uh, off the cuff. They deliver the message. They were commanded by the Father to speak. And so the angel said, Unto you this day is born a Savior. That word Savior in the Greek means a deliverer. Listen, if you need help, if you're in trouble, if you're addicted, amen, if you're bound, there was born some 2,000 years ago, according to our calendar, a deliverer. And he delivers from sin. He delivers from darkness. 
He delivers from hopelessness. He delivers from despair. He delivers from drugs and alcohol and pornography and anything else that might have you bound. Look to Jesus, everybody. Come on. Hallelujah. Nobody can do you like Jesus can do you. And that's what the angel said. A deliverer has been born. Amen. The word in the Greek means a rescuer. Come on, if you ever, you're gonna, if you haven't yet, you're gonna find yourself in a place where you need a rescue on a heavenly scale. Amen. And because Jesus came, the angel said, a rescuer of humanity has been born unto you tonight. Amen. That Greek word also means a preserver. Amen. See, I'm not pickled, I'm preserved. And because Jesus came and because we're saved, because we're in Jesus, we have this hope, we have this knowledge, we have this promise. No matter how dark it gets out there, no matter how dangerous it gets out there, He will preserve me. He will preserve me. He will deliver you and me from all injury, all harm, all threat, all destruction, like He did the Pollards. Amen like he did me in a car that flipped four times with no seatbelt on. Amen. He is a deliverer. He is a preserver. He's going to preserve you spiritually. He's going to preserve you in your mind, in your soul. He's going to preserve you in your health, in your body. He will preserve you in your finances. Amen. If you let him, if you'll open your heart to him. Amen. If you'll have faith in him. Glory to God. Amen. So, There is so much in that word Savior. Then he said, who is Christ? Christ, they knew that word. The word Christ means anointed one. The anointed one. And the Hebrew people had been waiting for that promised anointed one to show up, praise God. The anointed one simply means the one who bears the anointing or the one that bears the power of God, the power to save you, set you free, heal you, raise you from the dead, help you walk on water, get to the other side. Glory to God, take you from here all the way to glory, all the way to heaven. He is the Christ. He is the anointed one. The anointing is the power of God that breaks yokes and removes heavy burdens. Jesus does that for all who look to Him. I said all who will look to Him in faith. Praise God. And then He said the Lord. The angel said the Lord. Amen. That word in the Greek means He's the supreme boss of everything. There is none higher. There's no higher authority. And listen, this is a miracle. This is the miracle. And what the, what the shepherds heard, that baby you find, there is no higher authority in the universe than the one that baby possesses. Wow. Amen. Praise God. And so... Um, Praise God the Lord. We need to submit to His authority, everybody. You need to submit to His Lordship. You need to not let Him just save you. You need to let Him be Lord. And that means you need to submit to Him. Submit to His Word. Submit to His way. Live right. Amen? All right, back to the Scriptures. We're going to keep reading here. Praise God. And so the angel continues this message in verse 12 and says, Now this will be... A sign for you means an especial sign by which you will recognize him. You will find after searching a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Then, look at verse 13. Then, having said that, suddenly, unexpectedly, amazingly, 
burst on them is the Greek meaning. There appeared or manifested with the angel. Now I'm going to break another tradition. Don't run me out of town. It said an army, not a choir. Not a choir. And the Amplified brings this, the Greek meaning out to us. That's why I like studying different translations. All right? Now, we, we, we're used to the term the heavenly host. And at Christmas time, we convert host to choir. But if you study the word host in the Old and New Testament, it means warfare. Warfare. Military. Army. Armed soldiers, both natural and angelic. Y'all with me? Now, if you like the choir image, that's fine. Hold on to it. But this is what the Bible says. An army showed up. This is a miracle. Here's the miracle of the angels. The angels are beholding their commander, their chief, their creator in human form as a baby. And they are on guard. I said, they they are on guard. They came dressed for the occasion. Uh, if, If these were marine angels, they came in their dress blues. And they are armed to the hilt. And all of a sudden in front of these shepherds who are already burst their huggies with the one angel, now has an entire army, a knighthood of angels. Now, here's the miracle of the angels. Why it's not just for the shepherds that they showed up. There's a miracle for the angels themselves. Never before, never before had even the angels who were created to live in the very presence of God, never were they able to behold the Lord, their creator, in his glory in the face. Never. Now think about it. Even the angels that circle the throne do not look God in the face. The Bible says that no one could look at God in the face and live. The glory coming off of God on his throne is too intense. You know, like you can't gaze up at the, at the sun. You just can't. Not if you like your sight. You, you can't do that. Amen. You, you have to shade it. You have to shield it. Isaiah, the prophet, got a glimpse in Isaiah chapter 6. It says uh, that heaven was open and he saw the Lord on his throne. And he saw the seraphim, which is a class of angel. And that kind of angel has six wings. And it describes what they did with each pair, three pair of his wings. With the first pair of the seraphim's wings, they cover their face. You remember when Moses said, show me your glory? And God said, no one. No one can see my glory and live. But I'll, I'll, I'll pass, I'll cause my glory to pass by you. I'm going to hide you in the cleft of the rock. I'm going to pass, I'm going to put my hand over your face. And I'm going to pass. And when I pass by you, Moses, I'm going to take my hand off and you'll be able to see my back parts. You know, God has some sort of form. Amen. But that's, that's the intensity. So the miracle of the angels is, come on, 
that now born in the flesh, now wrapped in a different form, they came to look their creator in the face. Woo, glory. Hallelujah. For the angels, that was their first time. Their first time. And do you know the, one of the miracles of the new birth? We're not going there, but 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18 says that you and me, as born-again Christians with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being changed, transformed into His very image, and that one day, if you'll let Jesus be your Savior, if you'll live to Him all the way to the end, get to heaven, you're going to get a new body. You're going to get a new body, and with that new body, you will be able to look at God in the face. Praise God. This is the story of Christmas. Amen. Finally, let's talk about the miracle of the incarnation. Now, the word incarnation is not a... Uh, well, i got to go back to the angels for a second. Uh, do you know that it never says that the angels sang? It says the multitude. Amen. Praising God and saying. Praising God and saying, not singing. And in the Greek, it's announcing. Announcing. And it's, a, it's in the continuous sense. Though that angel showed up and then the multitude showed up praising and saying, saying, saying. Announcing, announcing, announcing. Amen? And even the Greek word praising indicates to say. Now, maybe they did sing. I don't have a problem with that. Amen. But I read this in the book and I encourage you to study it. I'm, I'm studying out. I, this blew me out. Rick Renner said, not only did these angels not sing, according to the text, nowhere in scripture can he find anywhere a single mention of an angel or angels singing. And I went, like you're doing, I went, I don't know about that. And I thought, what about that revelation scene in Revelation 20? Where they all break out and go, hallelujah. Well, I went and read it, and it's the saints that are saying hallelujah. It's the angels that are announcing and saying. I don't have a problem with the idea that angels sing, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna find out if Rick Renner's right about that. Amen. Not a single mention in the scripture anywhere. Now you know God sings? The Bible says God sings over you. And we sing unto him. I just thought the interesting fact. Interesting, possible nugget to study. Please don't pick up stones and throw me, throw them at me, praise God. But you know, there's just a lot of religious tradition that's seeped in over the years. It's not true according to the text. Okay, praise God. You know, it's the truth that'll set you free, not your tradition. <laughs> Amen. Now, lastly, the greatest miracle, the most important miracle is the miracle of the incarnation. I would like you to turn with me to Philippians chapter 2, probably the last place that we turn to this morning. Philippians chapter 2. The word incarnation is not found in the Bible, but we use it to describe the birth of Jesus. It just simply means that the God who was pre-existent and never had a beginning, amen, gained entrance into the human condition 
and was born a human being. So the word incarnation means incarnated. God put in flesh. Now I'm sure you all know it, but for the one person that might not know it, Mary giving birth to Jesus was not Jesus' beginning. We need to have that very clear in our mind. When Jesus was born and cried out as an infant that, that first moment, that was not His beginning. Jesus never had a beginning because He's God. It was the beginning of His temporary earthly assignment. Jesus, this is, this is so critical for a Christian to have down and understand. This is what, you know, the, I understand the Quran says uh, uh, Allah is God and He has no son. But that, that's different from what we believe. God has always had a son. He's always had a son. Are you with me? But this son, amen, decided to identify in humanity by becoming, he wrapped himself in flesh. He took on the form of humanity. But that was not his, that was not the day he began. Amen. Do you know you're in Philippians chapter 2? Well, there's a lot of things in the Bible that declare to us plainly that Jesus, the Son of Man, is the Son of God and always has been. That He is deity. Amen. For instance, John's Gospel. You remember how John's Gospel began? In the beginning. Not, that's not a reference to Mary giving birth. In the beginning of the universe. In beginning of creation. Referring to Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. Amen. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then if you skip down to the 14th verse, it says, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld His glory, full of grace and truth. So do you see, Jesus never had a beginning. He is the reason for the universe's beginning. The Bible says all things were created by Him. By the Jesus you and I celebrate this Christmas. The, you were made. Juniper was made. The universe was made by Him. For Him. All things consist in Him. And the Bible says by Him all things are upheld. This is an amazing Theological fact to ponder. While Jesus was a baby in his deity, he's still able to uphold the universe. I need a filet mignon to help me meditate on that. Wow. That this little four-year-old running around is the one who made everything. And is upholding all things by the word of his power. And it's so tragic, the Bible says of Jesus when He did show up, that He came to the ones He made, and He, he came to His own, and His own did not receive Him. Did not even recognize Him for who He was. But the Creator of the, the solar system, the stars, the planets, the angels, heaven itself, was walking around the earth 
That's the miracle of the incarnation. When the moment of conception and the Holy Ghost overshadowed Mary and imparted deity to her egg, from that moment, his body began to grow. But he had always existed. Remember when Jesus was a grown man, he's ministering and he's confronting those Pharisees again. And they were claiming to be, you know, covenant people by right of their heritage in Abraham. And he said, if you guys were really descendants of Abraham, you'd love me. Because Abraham saw my day and rejoiced. Remember what they said? You're barely 50 years old. You're barely 30 years old. Did you see Abraham? Then what did he say? Before Abraham was, I am. Whoa, glory. What was he saying plainly? Amen. I'm a lot older than 30, bud. That's what he's saying. You have no idea how long I've been around. Your most ancient ancestor, I knew them intimately. And yet Paul writing to Timothy says that there's one mediator. There's one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. The miracle of the incarnation is for all eternity, Jesus decided, I will not only keep and identify myself as deity for I am, but I will forever and all eternity be a man. How much Love must the Father have for you. How much love must Jesus have for you to say, I will from that point on, from the night of Christmas on, I will forever carry human form on my deity. And he came. He came and suffered all the indignities of living as a human being. And the Bible says that our Jesus was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. And he was born a lamb with one purpose, to be sacrificed for you and for me. I'd like to close by reading this scripture in Philippians chapter 2, making a quick comment about it. And uh, then we'll go, and I hope you're going to come back tonight for our fellowship and our Christmas program with the kids. It's going to be wonderful. In Philippians chapter 2, verse number, and let me find it in my amplified translation. Find verse 5. Thank you for hanging with us, guys. I'm almost done. Praise God. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. In the amplified says, let this same attitude and purpose and humble mind be in you which was in Christ Jesus. Let him be your example in humility. You think about what deity had before he decided to be born a human being. He could think of some place he wanted to be in the created universe and be there in a moment. And now because he took on flesh, he's got to walk in the sand in muscles that get tired. And suffer the indignity of sweat and smell. He, just, he humbled himself to a place he never in his pre-existence knew what hunger was. Or a skinned knee felt like. Or the pain of rejection. But he decided 
to save you and me that he would. Can't get people to serve in church with any faithfulness. Hallelujah. Okay, I'm going to stay totally off of that. Praise God. Amen. Come back next week. Praise the Lord. Actually, we won't be here, so hallelujah. He was our example in humility, who although being essentially one with God and in the form of God, possessing the fullness of the attributes which make God God, did not think this privilege, this equality with God was a thing to be eagerly grasped or retained. But look at this. He stripped himself. He, uh, the Greek word means he divested himself. He emptied himself of all of those privileges of, digni- of deity and assumed the disguise, the guise of a servant, a slave, in that he became like men and was born a human being. And after he had appeared in human form, he abased and humbled himself still further and carried his obedience to the extreme of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, by because he stooped so low, God has highly exalted him and, given, and freely bestowed on him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should and must bow in heaven and on earth, and under the earth. Amen. And every tongue frankly and openly will confess and acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus, the miracle of the incarnation is extreme humility, sacrificial love for the Father, and for those the Father wanted to redeem. His example here in Christmas is the value in obedience. And Paul said to all of us by the scriptures, let this attitude be in you, which was in Christ. The attitude he demonstrated in coming to earth. You and I are supposed to take that mantle of humility and serve and obey and show Jesus, this Jesus, as accurately and as fully as we can to the world He came to save. Would you bow your heads with me for a moment? If you in this auditorium...